We are not giving expert medical advice. Our content is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis or treatment. If you do need to talk to someone, please look in the show notes where you'll find helpline phone numbers. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Series 2, Episode 6 of We Are All A Bit Mental. It's a chat show where we aim to question and challenge the rather wonderfully complex and often slippery subject of mental health. I'm Neil Harrington, and today, as always, I'm here with Lynn Ferguson and Chesney Hawkes. Hello, everyone. Hello, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he sounded like you were from some wee Irish getaway there, Chesney. Hello, everybody. It's because he's travelling. He doesn't know where he's supposed to be and what name I don't know who I am, where I am. I don't even know what accent Chesney I have. Chesney Hawks coming to you live from a secret location. It's true. I'm not telling you. <laughs> so, uh, we have said goodbye to our funny fringe friends, right? It's official. We are fringe friends. That was easy for now. you to say. Try that again. Go to it again. <laughs> funny fringe friends. I got it right, Woo! didn't I? Did you say frunny? Fr- I'm sure you said frunny. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can cut it out, can't I? Because I have that power. So it's it's true. fine. I'll you just make you sound stupid now. I'll just make you sound ridiculous. That's all that'll happen. <laughs> So, uh, so yes, that's the end of our fringe run. So, no pressure to be funny tonight, then, team. That's good, isn't it? Well, funny. And today yeah. we have a show topic of solutions. And later on, we will be joined by shamanic healer Pamela Beattie. Mm. So, uh, before we get on to what Pamela's all about, let's kick about that subject of solutions for a bit, shall we, team? I just thought, because obviously, with a lot of us still coming to terms with the results of all being locked up for a long period of time. Yeah. So many of us affected in in different ways. I I heard on the radio the other day, apparently one in five relationships broke down during enforced lockdown. So solutions, no wonder many people are looking for help and answers at the moment, right? You know, I I think that um, that one of the things I think about solutions uh, is that uh, how, how... how bad does it have to get before you look to find one? Mm, you know, yeah. like I, I, I do consider at the moment where I'm like, well, you know, like that thing that you said about one and is it one in five relationships? One in f- apparently that that was the yeah that was the thing. Yeah, but you know, I mean, if if you think about it, right, we all know people who are together who you go, I don't I don't know that they're very happy. Mm. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? When you have a party and you're like, oh dear. No, I don't know what you mean at all. I don't know what you're yeah, talking about. Yeah. Sorry, I never, never, Do you know, never we had that. this dinner party at the house. We had this dinner party at the house and it was two couples who were both struggling with one another. It was We did this thing, right? We were like, they don't seem to be very happy. Maybe we'll have them round for dinner. Oh, don't ever do right. that. Terrible don't do idea. that. <laughs> Terrible. Right? But especially don't do it in stereo. Don't do it in stereo. And yeah. by that, I mean mm. when you go, oh, there's a couple there not get on. We should invite them round for dinner. Oh, and guess <laughs> what? We'll invite that other couple who f***ing hate each other as well. They'll come round for dinner and we'll have a lovely dinner party. It was the most difficult dinner party. I've, uh, like, literally, I looked across at Mark and said uh, at one point, I whispered and I was like, this is the worst dinner party I've ever been to. And he went, I know, and we can't even leave. <laughs> I know, that's when it's yours. Yeah. Oh, There's an accolade, right. eh? <laughs> so whenever I go to someone's house for my tea, 
right? And they're like, oh, I'm so sorry, I've got this wrong, or sorry, dinner's not ready. I go, no, 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 it's okay. Please don't worry. I've been to the worst dinner party ever, in fact. <laughs> you th- and it was at your it. house. You uh, threw it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was mine. So there you go. I'm, I'm thinking back uh, to all the dinner parties that I've been to at your house, and I'm hoping that it wasn't uh, one of them. <laughs> yeah, you could have been one of those. <laughs> Here's a hint. You and your wife uh, like each other, so yeah, you're that's fine, true. right? Yeah, yeah, we're okay. Yeah, yeah, no, it was it was a dinner party. You know that way, like when I knew I needed to leave home, when it was finally time for me to leave home, and I look at this with my 18-year-old now, and I'm like, I bet you he's thinking about leaving home. Is you know when you're sitting having breakfast in the morning, right? Or, or you're having dinner and you're really aware of somebody else's digestive system because you know them for so long, right? You're like, <laughs> I know the way that they swallow or they always chew like that. And then you go, it's time. That's time yeah. to move on. It's time for me to move house. <laughs> the whole yeah. dinner party was, was like, like just six people sitting around going, yeah. Right. So there you go. <laughs> Nightmare. If if one is feeling a bit broken and doesn't know where to turn, I think it's important to have a reality check and to seek out solutions and not distractions. You know, to have a of course to of be course. realistic. You've got to address the actual problems and and not just have your mind taken off and just bury things. Right. I think it's good to have p- people like Lynn uh, for for Chris and I. Uh-huh. Lynn is one of our one of our kind of like guides, our helpers. You know, you have to have friends that uh, understand that side of life. I think to really kind of help you move move on and pass th- pass these kind of difficult times. So, I feel like. Right now, I'm in in a stage right now where I can feel a little bit of craziness coming on in my in my uh, frontal mm. cortex or whatever. You know, I just feel a little bit discombobulated. Yeah. I mean, I have reason to be because I've just travelled across the across the world, away from my family. My daughter's moving, going to university. I've just started getting on a stage again. I guess I have reasons to to be like that, but I'm kind of trying to preempt mm. it. And and realizing and thinking about the, the solutions that I've used in the past that have helped me, like meditation or just kind of clearing your thoughts, maybe a bit of yoga here and there, or or just talking to someone like Pamela, who we're going to talk to later on. Um, really, that that's what helps us. Just knowing knowing mm. to, that you have to like take control of of, um, of your life in those moments, because otherwise, if you, if you kind of like f- fly out of control, can't it? And um, it's nice to have those people in your life. Yeah. And you're definitely one of those, Lynn, for us. It's like, I need Lynn. I need Lynn. Uh, No, you don't. Not right now. I'm an angry old lady. (laughs) And that's just part time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the, uh, in story, or even in the story work that I do, that I talk about the antidote to everything is curiosity. Right. Mm. Okay. That uh, yeah. yeah, because it's whenever you get, if you think about whenever you're cornered, or yeah, or when you're like when you feel vulnerable, or uh, frightened, everything closes down. Right. Everything gets mm. all kind of. Huh, I'm staying in this corner. I'm not moving. Right. Mm. But as soon as you can go, I wonder what would happen if I did move. <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah, just if yeah. you can just put that one little. I wonder what would really happen if I did have a sandwich and decided to talk this through that um it opens up so i i think and also in if you listen to stand up a lot of it is about uh curiosity why do the people do the things like why do we pajamas Mm. have the blah 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 Mm -hmm, like a lot of it is a when the opening to sort of light 
if you like, is curiosity. The unfortunate thing is that when we're vulnerable, and I say this as someone who can get very stuck in my ways, uh, uh, curiosity goes quite quickly. So um, when I am in a space, the first thing that I try and do is go, I wonder what it would be like if I could find myself to be curious about something. And then right. usually I can. I have to double trick myself. I think a lot of it's to do like that went down as well as a dinner party for two people. Uh, no, no, I was. I think we were both taking it in. I think we were like, yeah, you're processing right. it and responding. I, I was processing it in a way. I was thinking that becoming aware of of your own uh, state of mind is really important. So you know, when you're saying c curiosity, it's like. Um, what would happen if I didn't do that thing that I'm worried about? Or what would happen if I just did that thing that I've been worried about? Um, and and then, then you become aware uh, of what you're actually thinking. Or, you know, these subconsciously things that you yeah. say to yourself. It's, it's like, it's crazy, um, the things that we all say to ourselves. I know I'm not good enough to do that, or I'm never, I'm never going to be able to do this, or I'm never going to be able to do that, uh, or I'm too old, or uh, you know, I'm not yeah. pretty enough, or whatever it is. Um, we all do that to ourselves. Chesney, so, you are always pretty enough. <laughs> well, I wasn't talking about myself there, of course. I mean, <laughs> I was just being. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> so I'm excited about Pamela, but I'm a little bit nervous. I'm not going to lie. What are you nervous about? Is it because of your, your protection over our lovely Pamela? You know what happened was that, that I met Pamela. Uh, well, you know, Pamela came to do my story course. Yes. And she did the story course and she was amazing. And then somebody else who was related to another person who was also doing the course said to me, I can't believe you let that, uh, what was it, fraud or gold digger, they called her something weird, do the course. And I was full of such rage. But anyway, literally what happens is, like, if you're one of my people, you're, like, totally one of my people. And, yeah. and I... I can't bear the idea of uh, you being maligned or of course. hurt or, right? So, and, yeah. and she's one of my people. You're a mother so hen, aren't you? You're a protection. You well, I am today because I've had three hens just hatched. You really are, but mother hen, you're actually and mother it, hen. Yeah, I'm <laughs> mother hen. To the, today, this morning, we got uh, Shelly, who's a little <laughs> black hen. Um, then we got Peggy, she's a little blonde one, and then we got Margot, and she's nuts. Margot's nuts. I'm a little worried about what's going to happen to her. But there you go. So I am a mother hen. Oh, okay. Um, congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> congratulations on the uh, on Checking the in. occasion today. And on that note, uh, the green tick has come on. So. <gasps> We will see you all on the other side of the sting. I'm with excited. Shamanist Pamela Beatty. Shay person. We're talking about solution. At the, at the moment, a lot of people are a bit broken. Like, um, everybody's got something that they're struggling with a bit after what's just happened in the past, like, 18 months or whatever. 18 yeah. months. And, um, and we thought about you. Chess and I both thought about you because <laughs> people are looking for solution as to how to get better or to feel better. And actually, you've made us both feel better in different Aww. ways. Although, I have to say, on the outside... Uh-oh. <laughs> on the outside, <laughs> you're not perhaps what people would most quickly go to. <laughs> when they go, 
All right, what I need right now. I love how you're trying to be so politically correct. I know, correct. come on, spill the, <laughs> spill the beans with me. Spill it, you don't have to tiptoe, come on. <laughs> so people come to see you. Well, you fixed both me and Chesney. In fact, this to me is the story that sums up how I know and what I think about Pamela, right? That uh, when I had cancer, duh, 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 cue scary music, I had to yeah. go in for a, a mastectomy, which is, you know, basically an amputation, and it's not a big, you know, no, it's not a thing you want to particularly do on a Tuesday, right? No. And uh, when I... <laughs> or Wednesday. Yeah, yeah, or any day of the week particularly, although it is because you want rid of the cancer. Mm. And uh, Pamela and my husband, Mark, both waited with me while I was... They sat with me while I was waiting to go into surgery. And uh, do you remember we were sitting in this, you know, there's the bit just before you actually go and they operate in the theatre. And both of them were with me to, like, help me mentally get through it. And in the cubicle next door, <laughs> there was this normal guy, right? So conceivably me, Mark and Pamela are not normal, but in the cubicle <laughs> next door, so. there was somebody who was normal. <laughs> and, uh, the, you know, the nurse walks by and says, have you had anything to eat recently? Right, because you're not allowed to eat. And the guy went, well. <laughs> and she said, what have you had? And he said, I had a hot dog about three o'clock this morning. <laughs> and it was like, <laughs> you do. do you not remember? And, he was, and then she was like, oh, really? Uh, 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 well, I don't know if we can do it. He said, well, I didn't think it would count. <laughs> God knows what he was in for. But he'd obviously been on the rise at three o'clock in the morning. Oh, my God. And, uh, and it made me think about the absurdity of what we believe is normal and what, what actually is normal. Because what, what happened for me was that at one of the most frightening points in my life, I had my husband and you beside me, Pamela Beatty. So that's how I know Pamela, and that's, that's, that's well, it's not how I know mm. Pamela, but that sums up to me <laughs> how I feel about Pamela. So now you can say what you do. Because yeah. also, Neil told me that you told him, which is true, I had told you you weren't to talk about seeing dead people. What did I say, right? Why would, why would you stop her from being able to say anything, Lynn? You'd been too I am protective, protective of her, I am I hugely it. protective of Pamela because I think that there are a lot of people yeah. who say that they do what Pamela does and they're assholes, right? Or they're frauds. Yes. But actually, and so then I go, don't you? Don't you think that my friend is a fraud? She's not a fraud. She does see mm. dead people. Yeah, but you realise I don't care. Yes, I do. But but yes. you realise <laughs> realize it still okay. makes me, I am still ridiculously protective. People have the right to think what they want. I don't, you know, it doesn't offend me. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to go a lot farther than that to offend what me. What does offend you? Uh, pretty much nothing anymore because I know it, it's projection and it has nothing, absolutely nothing whatsoever to do with me. Yeah. Mm. Nothing. That's how you've helped helped me in the past, like to, to you know, with, with certain things that happen in your life. Like with, Pamela has an amazing way of making you realize that none of it has anything to do with you. Yeah. It's, it's, it's whatever is going on with that other person that you're having difficulties with. It's 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 not your it's not your problem. It's their problem. Yeah. What is that old saying? Um, what someone thinks of me is none of my yeah. business. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And it's so it it quit bothering me years ago. Every once in a while, um, I'll get my feelings hurt. But it but the trick is what I've realized is not just myself, but nothing that upsets you is really about what you think it's about. 
Mm. It's not about that moment. So when somebody insults me or is hateful to me, it's and it and if it does affect me, which it really does now, I realize in that moment, okay, what is this opportunity here? There is an opportunity for me to heal an unresolved emotion. Because if you don't care, then it doesn't hurt you. If you don't care, it doesn't make you mad. If you don't care, you don't get offended. We become such a society of being offended. Everybody's offended by something. Um, and so when I stop in that moment and realize, okay, I have to find the moment where this is coming from. Where is my unresolved emotion about this? And why is it bothering me? What is it really about? Mm. Now, I hadn't had one of the, and I look at those as incredible healing opportunities. I don't think of it as, oh, I have to fight this person. I really have to show them who I am. I have to stand up for myself. I don't. Because I want them to have permission to think whatever they think, and so I have permission to think what I think. Just before, Pamela, just before you continue, just as a window for the listeners, I just want to drop in in case they hadn't twigged. You're a shamanic healer, right? That's, that's what you do. Yes, I'm a shamanic healer and a past life and Akashic Records therapist. So I deal with, um, I deal with the cause, not the effect. Right. May sound to outside listeners, or maybe it doesn't sound weird. To some, it will. To some, you know it what won't, I have I mean. to say. It, like for my family, for our family of four, your work has really, really helped us. It has like really oh, changed you. things and allowed things to be understood in a way that we didn't understand. Us too. Yeah, it's like kind of amazing where you're like this. You're our own secret treasure. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Do you find that there's a type of person that comes to you? Mm, one that's ready to heal. Yeah. Right. And it's so funny when you mention the dead people, but that honestly, it yes, it happens every once in a while that I do that. But most of my clients have no idea I'm talking to people without bodies. They have no idea because it comes out of my mouth. It looks like me. It sounds like me. So they don't have any idea. Like if I get a message from a spirit, which is what shamanism is, it's incorporating what you can't see. You know, it's uh, you. I interact with beings that nobody else sees. And um, so they don't, but they don't know that. Unless you tell them. I mean, I don't sit around and say, hey, I'm talking to this dead spirit so-and-so. <laughs> um, <laughs> I just talk to them, you know, I just uh, allow them to give me information. And most of the time, you don't know the difference because I'm so integrated with the spirit world that I don't hear them telling me something and then repeat it. I hear it as it comes out of my mouth. Wow. So that's why most people, because I'm not pausing to get the answer. I'm just getting the answer and then giving it mm. to them. And most of the time, in session anyway, I'm operating out of a higher consciousness, mm. right? I'm sure you guys know about all the consciousness, the higher conscious, the unconscious, the subconscious, and the inner mm. child. Well, I talk to all of those at the same time. So um, you were saying something about, oh, I was going to tell a quick story about, because uh, you asked me if I ever get upset anymore. And usually when I do, they're doozies, mm. <laughs> right? They're big. Um or they seem big anyway. So uh, a friend of mine said something to me, and it was this one little phrase, and I was fine, till he said, it's not fair to me. Oh. 
Hmm. When he said it's not because his mother was dying and he said, it's not fair to me to talk about it. And I'm telling you, I haven't gotten that angry in a very, very, very long time. And I knew it was triggering something in me because that's what everything that upsets you is doing. It's triggering. You're never really upset what you think you're upset Mm. about. It just doesn't work that way. It's either from the inner child or, or the unconscious mind, and that's what upsets you. So I had to take the time in, in that moment and go, oh, what's this really about? Because I knew enough to know I wasn't really mad at him, mm. right? So I went back to when I was 12-year-old and my mother died, and no one told me my mother had died. She was in, the, in her bedroom, and they didn't tell me. And all I knew was that they showed that they took her reeling out of the house, And that's the first time I knew she was dead. So when he said that, it triggered that inner child in me. That response was from the 12-year-old. Like, I don't want to hear it's not fair to you. What about me? Mm. So once I realized what it was, then I was able to heal the inner child and let her know how much I loved her and that I never let anybody treat her like that again. So, yes, it happens. But, I mean, I I was livid for... Two days, probably. And I wasn't mad at the friend. I knew it was something I, I had to show. So I do what I call regurgitation of emotions, which is whatever it is, I let it out. I just, if you're around me, you're going to hear it. And I'm not doing it to get you to respond. I'm doing it like throwing it up on the wall so I can see it, right? So I can see what, what the truth is. Because yeah. again, we're never really upset about what we think we're upset yeah. about. Mm. It has a different source than what we think. Absolutely. One thing that you, you were saying just now about um, how you see everything that is a, a you know, possible, you're angry at something or you're upset by something, that, that it is an opportunity to heal something. And that's, yeah. that I think is one of the main things that I've got from you, Pamela, oh. because it's helped me become more of a calm person because uh, you, you rejoice. You're like, woohoo, you're yeah. angry, woohoo. <laughs> <laughs> hey, woohoo, it's a good thing. Now we can yeah. work with this, you know. And yeah. Is that why Lynn's so angry all the time? Oh. <laughs> is that what it's all about? Is that where it comes that's from? That's what yeah. it is. But you know what I've discovered? <laughs> My inner child's quite cussy. Because my inner child was triggered and I was effing and blind. Yeah, but that's a good thing. I do agree. Yeah, it's a good thing. It's not bad at all. It's got to come out. It's got to go somewhere. Yeah, it's got to go somewhere. Well, and it's it's not just got to go somewhere. you got to see it. Yeah. You know, how, how do you know what you're upset about if you don't see it? Like, what is upsetting Obviously, that you? then tailors into what you do, isn't it? Because that's the tool you use to yeah. start your process. Yes, Because most exactly. people won't know what, what they're actually upset about. No, people don't know. They don't. They don't. So there's where there's where Pamela comes in. Cause she fi- she figures out where it is. It's like a laser. Yeah, it's not what you know that hurts you. It's what you don't know. And how can you possibly know what's in the your unconscious? Because it's the subconscious is the protector, and the unconscious is the one experiencing everything. So it's it's like I said, it's not what you know that it hurts you. That's going to help you. It's finding out what you don't know, and that's what I do. Mm. Like I had a, I do remember this guy because he had such a profound effect on me. He was sick, horribly sick. Um, He cured cancer like three times, I think, in his body. And uh, he had gotten sick again. And uh, he called me to find out what was the cause. And what I saw in my mind's eye was 
uh, I saw it being 20 years ago. The, the cause was 20 years ago. And I said, you've been grieving for 20 years. Come to find out his best friend died in a uh, plane crash. And he was supposed to be on the plane, not the friend. And wow. he had blamed himself that entire time that he, his friend died and he was still alive. And so cancer is usually guilt mm -hmm. about something. So he was holding on to that guilt for like 20, 20 some years. So when, he, when, it, when I told him what it was, he was like, oh my God, oh my God, I had forgotten about it. You did exactly that to my husband. Oh, I did? Yeah, you did exactly that to Mark because he, Mark sometimes will get into a place where he finds it difficult to make a decision. Like he can literally, um, he can fix anything, Mark. You know that, Chesney, right? He, like, he's the guy who oh, yeah. fixes he, he things and fix builds stuff and everything. But periodically he gets into this place where he's like, I don't, I don't really know what the right choice is. I don't know what that is to do, what to do here. And uh, there was once you were, ha I think you were having a salon in, in my studio, in the studio here. And he, yeah. uh, he asked you about something and you said, well, you know, of course it comes from when you were 12. This is the, dis yeah, he went, it's when you were 12, you made this decision and you couldn't make up your mind. You couldn't make up your mind whether you wanted to stay here or whether you wanted to leave. And he went very quiet and he was thinking about it. And then he said he remembered when he was 12 and, and he was 12 that he'd been out on a, uh, just hanging about in the country and there was a rope swing. There was rope hanging from this tree and he looked at it and he wondered what it would be like if he swung on the tree oh. but with the rope around his neck. Oh, oh. Wow. Yeah. And so, uh, and he never told MD, he never told MD because he felt like such an ass, right? So that he wrapped it around his neck and went to swing for it. And as he went to swing, it suddenly tightened and he held it and managed to keep himself from hanging. Alive. Yeah. But he let, he said, I hadn't thought about that. It wasn't even in my consciousness. Yeah. And But that hits on his decision. It's like the same panic he gets when he's like, I don't really know what I'm meant to be doing next. Is that thing of, it's the same thing of, am I staying or am I going? Am I alive or am I dead? Mm. This is and so you did it for him too. Aww. So I mean, it sounds like it's weird, but it's not weird. <laughs> it's so tied to story. This stuff is like because my work with story is all about tell me what you've seen and what you know. Whereas I feel like the work that you do is was deeper than that. But because what you ask then is what have you learned from it? What do you what do you want to move past it? Is kind of your work. Mm. Here is the understanding. Of and she's also able to pull it out. Yeah, now, now that's weird. <laughs> that is weird. <laughs> that's weird. <laughs> yeah. Even though I've told you not to tell yeah. anybody about the dead people, you've got to tell Neil about <laughs> when you first saw dead people because you did it. Because yeah, we met at a story event that I was running, right? Yeah. And the story that yeah. you told yeah. was about how you first saw dead people. And every, watching people in the audience, they were like, yeah, sure. And then by the end of the story, they were like, shit, she sees dead people. <laughs> she actually does. <laughs> oh, and then fill me in, Pamela, fill me in. Okay, it was when I was, um, I was uh, seven years old. And uh, I saw uh, my family, but then I saw all these people standing behind my family. Well, to me, they were real. I thought they were just as physical as the rest of my family yeah. was. 
And uh, so I had, I've always seen him, but we were sitting around a, a dinner table and I was sitting there and I was always, I always felt like I was kind of in a trance most of the time. I was, I was on the outside looking in, I was watching and, uh, and I went around the table and I, I saw the different souls that were behind each one of my family oh. and what they were do. They told me what they were doing there and, uh how they were helping the members of my family until I got to my older sister and she was she was sitting at the table and there was a spirit behind her and he said, You're you guys aren't the only one that doesn't like her, you know. We're, we're, in, we're in spirit and we don't like her. Uh, which was which was really funny. But but what I realized if I it took me a little bit, what I finally realized is I was the only one that saw it. Right. I thought the rest of the family saw it, but they just didn't talk about it. Right. So then I went, oh, so I'm the one that gets it, and they're the ones that don't. Mm. And I always thought it was the other way around. Right. Did it cause problems in your family? Right. Did you tell them? Uh, I, I, I started off by telling them uh, mm. who was there, and it upset my very religious family very much. Because they said it was the devil right. uh, trying to get into my mind and take control of me. And that if I didn't stop talking to them, that the devil would, would take control of my soul. So, you know, when you're seven, eight years old, that kind of scares the crap yeah. out of you. So I, I tried to push it aside. I tried to push it away and uh, just pretend. And then I got a little older and I decided that drinking would help right. push it away. Um, it didn't, but <laughs> that's what I, I tried to do. I tried to stop the voices in my head. And when I drank, I didn't hear voices in my head. And then I figured out, well, that's not working. Because when I wasn't drinking, I did hear the voices in my head. So finally, I just threw my arms up and went, what? Talk to me. What? What do you want? <laughs> and then it's been, it's, it's been heaven ever since, so to speak. Wow. Yeah. But how did you, so obviously you've come a long way from seeing spirits and being able to kind of like see things that people don't, normal people don't see, to becoming, uh, you know, a shamanic healer and someone that can access Akashic records. I mean, that's, that's quite a journey. It was, Chesney. It was, um, and it's still going on. I, I still learn more and more every day. Yeah. I still grow more and more every day. And what I, how I started out is so different than how I do now. I was scared to death and uh, the whole time even to this day I think what am I I don't know what I'm doing and then I get my ego out of the way and I went oh yeah I guess I do know what I'm doing but back <laughs> then when I first started uh, I would just um, I would just speak to the people uh, that had passed away family members you know friends that had died from my clients I'd speak to them and I, so that's how I started. Lynn, I started talking to them. <laughs> um, yes. So, nah, 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 nah. Don't mention the dead people. Oh, yeah. Don't mention the dead okay, people. I, I won't mention the dead people. Um, and so that's, that's how I started out doing it. And then uh, a, a pivotal moment in what I do, I was at home and uh, waiting for a client to show up. And I got this intense migraine. It was unbelievable. And I thought, oh, I'm going to have to call my client and say, hey, I can't do your session today. I've got such a headache. 
And so I said, you know, I think I'm, I'm going to try it and see what happens. So she showed up and I said, wow, I almost called you to cancel. She said, I almost called you. I have a migraine so bad. Wow. I can't stand it. And I went, oh, it like it hit me like a ton of bricks. Oh, it's her migraine, not mine. Right. right. So I was empathically um, feeling her migraine. So that it, that's when it started changing. And I said to her, uh, I don't know why, but uh, I think I can take your headache from you. She's like, okay. And I had no clue what I was doing. I put my hands like right here on her head and I felt this energy and then I just started pulling it out. And that's the shamanic healing Chesney's talking about. I started pulling her headache out. And then once I finished, she didn't have a headache anymore, uh, but I didn't. I had never done that before. And I think the reason I was able to do it, it's, it's innate in me. I've, I've spent many lifetimes doing this. So that headed me towards more intense healing. And then it's just, I learned about the Akashic Records and started with clients. I would go into the Akashic Records myself, by myself, just to get answers. Like I'd go to their Akashic Records and find what past life this Maybe problem. explain explain to to our listeners what akashic records yeah, are. Please. Okay, yeah. um, in, in simplest in simplest terms, the akashic is a, it's not a place; it's a dimension where everything you've ever done, thought, or felt is stored. So it's it's a computer program of you, and it's a computer program of I I just call it you know the Holy Spirit's computer program. It's a computer of program. Many of many different lifetimes or just your all own of lifetime? Them. All of them. Every single Everything. lifetime that you have ever had is stored there. Every single emotion you've ever felt, including the ones now, is stored there. So in order to change your life, a lot of times you have to go into the Akashic Records and find out what the old thought patterns are and what the old actions are so you can forgive them and you can understand them, and you can clear them up. It's like a dirty house. If you don't ever clean it, it's pretty much not going to get clean. So the Akashic is like your own little, your own little dirty house. All the good things, the bad things, um, actions, anything you've ever done, said, or felt is stored there. And it's, there's also, it's so vast, this place. You could go in there every day for eight hours a day, and not cover it all in your lifetime. So it's, you can imagine how big that is. But every everything is stored there. So is that then a starting point for a lot of your work with people? Is that is that like the foundation level because you have, can get so much information from that? With most people, unless they just want an Akashic journey, Neil, is that I start uh, by coming into their energy and uh, empathically becoming them. And then I get a, a picture and uh, I tell them what I'm seeing. And I usually, most of the time, the inner child uh, really wants to speak. Because for most of your adult life, you've ignored the inner, most people have ignored the inner child. So I usually start with the inner child and the subconscious mind. Um, because the, the inner child has the unresolved emotions and the subconscious mind is protecting that inner child from reliving, if you will, those unresolved emotions. And it's not, the, the subconscious mind is not just about this lifetime. Mm -hmm. The subconscious knows no space and time. 
So as far as it's concerned, anything and everything that has ever happened to you that hasn't been resolved is happening right now, like in this very moment. So that's what it thinks. So if you've, if you're a writer, Lynn, for example, and in your past, you were a writer and you were Shakespeare and you were writing and you got stabbed in the heart. I don't know if you did. (laughs) Um, You're writing something and somebody stabs you in the heart. So your subconscious mind is going to do everything it can to protect you and keep you from writing Ah. because it believes if you become a writer, you're going to die. So it it protects you, and it particularly it protects the inner. Well, at least child. I now know why my writing's so bad. So uh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to lie, right? Because I know what you do works, right? I do. But there are times when I listen to you, and I'm like, "What the hell is that? What? The, what? You do the what in there, right?" <clears throat> <laughs> and and what what I uh, where I've come to with it, Mark too actually, is that I don't actually have to understand what it is that you're yeah. doing, because I know that um, it changes. I know the effect of it, right? Yeah. But what's fascinating about um, about your work against maybe somebody who might be saying they do the same thing is you never profess to tell the future. You never do no. with someone. Oh well, you're going to marry someone called Gary, and I don't know why Gary. <laughs> my inner child I must have married somebody stranger. called Gary or someone. I don't know what happened. But like that, you don't do that. No, I don't believe in telling future. Um, the main reason I don't is I think it makes you a victim, because it's like you're just sitting around waiting for something to happen. Mm-hmm. And um, I do believe in our souls put a plan together or to use your terms a story mm-hmm. um, before you come into the body you you decide what the story is going to be so you've already written the story before you come into the body so telling you what the the future is defeats the purpose of you growing quickly mm-hmm. and uh, overcoming that particular story so you can change lanes and go with a different story because there's always free will but you've also, the interesting thing about free will is everybody thinks that it's just, oh, it wipes the slate clean and who knows what's going to happen. Before you come in, you have, you have laid out every opportunity for free will. So you have, you have decided this. Well, you, see in the future, what, what makes you a victim about it, it's saying to the universe, you have no control whatsoever about what happens in your life. And you have all the control about what happens in your life. Now, I said that to somebody once. It's like, um, well, this is your story. You did it. And she yelled at me and said, oh, this is my fault? Right. <laughs> I was like, yeah, yep. kind yep, of it is. is. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, it is, but the, it was. it's all about perspective, right? So the perspective should have been, wait a minute, I'm in charge? I get to decide, and it's supposed to empower you, not take away your power to think if you, and and who knows what's going to happen, right? It's like, yeah, you can tap in, and sometimes spirit will show something to me that is going to happen to somebody just to inspire them. Um, the one in particular, I, I told this woman in a session, I like I said, 
I hear the words coming out of my mouth and I heard myself, you know, you're going to meet that guy at a picnic. He's going to have, because she hadn't even asked me. I said, was his name Gary? (laughs) (laughs) Could have been, I don't remember. And uh, I said, there's a whole bunch of people around. I see balloons and all of a sudden this guy walks up to you and you can end up marrying him. She was in Australia and I didn't talk to her for like, I don't know, two or three years. And she said, you know, I married that guy. And I'm like, what, what guy was that? She said, Gary, I met him at, I, yeah, Gary. Um, I mar- met him at this barbecue and there were a whole bunch of balloons and that's what you said. So I'm not saying I never do. I never ask. Right. Yeah. Mm. Sometimes it comes up, but I don't ask what's going to happen. How do you deal with skeptics, Pamela? Embrace them. Yeah. I don't, I don't want people to believe until they believe. I mean, it's, I'm not going to force you to. It's like I have, I have permission to believe, so they have permission to not yeah. believe. Sure. And, you know, it's the old adage, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. <laughs> yeah. uh, my job isn't to make them believe. My job is to give them, to plant a seed of opportunity. And if they, if they grow the garden, great. And if they don't, that's okay, too. They're not ready yet. I, I like skeptics because I am one. <laughs> I wouldn't believe me either, you know? I mean, I don't, I don't blame people for not believing me. I go to other healers, and I don't believe them just because they're breathing. Um, you know, and I don't, I don't want anybody to believe me. And, you know, Chesney, uh, years ago, when, kind of when I started on this path, I got a lot of skeptics. I mean, I got a lot of non-believers, and I, mm-hmm. I thought that was the weirdest thing. But the reason they were coming to me was not for them. It was for me because mm-hmm. I was a non-believer, I had that, those doubts in my head, and I didn't trust myself. So they were just showing me me. It was like right? a mirror they were, for you. Yeah. yeah. I was projecting my disbelief and my skepticism on them. And now that I do believe in what I do, and I do trust myself, I don't, I don't get skeptics anymore. They just don't mm. show up, right? Yeah. So Because now I know. So it's, it's, again, it's not just about... It's all about my perspective, right? It's not about somebody else's perspective. It's about mine. I've had a, you know, I've had a rough couple of weeks, you know, like I had a, a close friend died and, and, you know, no matter what, no matter what you feel, there's no preparation for it, right? Um, but we were talking yesterday about um, the concept of, like what I said to him was that whenever anything terrible happens to me, right, or not happens, whenever anything terrible happens, unforeseen or painful, I have noticed, and probably through my work with you, that I really like to attach failure to it, right? This thing Mm -hmm. happened because I failed to do that. Maybe if I had said to her, then this would never have happened. I could have done this stuff I should have been there. I could have been a better friend. Like, I really like to attach failure to it. And we had this discussion about what is failure. And I said, well, you know, the deal of it is, is that in life, certainly in story, when I talk about story, story is about enlightenment. Like, that you learn what you look at, what the stories you've been through and what did they teach you and how do you move forward? And actually in life, 
we are always being enlightened and sometimes it's lovely like we get lovely affirmation where you go you passed an exam everybody thinks you're adorable <laughs> my you've lost weight your ass is lovely you're like yes i am enlightened <laughs> but actually that we also get enlightened when um when painful things happen and yet I, I find in me that I find it difficult to accept it as enlightenment. I would much rather somewhere along my path associate it with a failure. Um, and, and, and actually, maybe it takes a death, a bereavement, to make you consider what is life? Like, what am I here for? What, you know, how do I want my life to be? I think it's, for me, what, what it's made me think about my friend has been... I, I think in my life, I've spent a lot of my life not thinking I'm in control of stuff. You know, waiting for life to show me that it's okay to be here. And then yeah. someone dies and you're like, what the hell? I've got like this amount of time. I need to get shit done, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you must deal with, uh, with bereavements in, uh, in a very different way, Pamela. Yeah, I, I think I do. Um, but I... But it's because of the experiences I've had in this lifetime. I don't think I'd have been able to maybe in others. But in this lifetime, it's easy. I don't, because I don't see death. I don't think of it as death at all, mm. it, because it isn't. It's just when my mom, when my mother passed away, this is how I look at all death. When my mother passed away, I was um, 12 years old, and she died of cancer. And uh, the family gathered, you know, to... Uh, they, they gathered to tell us. I mean, I saw her go out on a, in an ambulance, but they gathered us all together to inform us that our mother, uh, the whole family, that our mother, my mother was dead. So they're all sitting around, and, and my father said, okay, she passed away, blah, blah, blah. And everybody starts crying and sobbing, and I'm sitting there going, I don't get this. What, what is this about? And everybody, and my dad looked at me, and he said, I just told you your mother died. Why aren't you crying? What's wrong with you? And I went, she didn't die. She just changed forms. She's standing right here. Oh, um, and yeah. so they got really mad and sent me, sure. sent me, to, the, sent me to the room. And uh, sent me to my room. And when I went in there, my mother's spirit was there. And uh, I was upset that they got mad at me for, because I did see her. And my mother said, listen, you are right. You're not making this up. Don't pay any attention to them. This is what you're going to do for the rest of your life. So just know that what you see is real, what you feel is real, and just trust it. And wow. that's how I see other people's death. They didn't die. They just changed forms. Wow. Mm. wow. <laughs> that's, that's funny. Where do you go, where do you go yeah. from there? I mean, I don't know if I like that response. You don't have to feel compelled to talk. It's awesome just to absorb. <laughs> just absorb this and... Um, and think. So do you think you have your mother to thank for, for, for that uh, message there? Because obviously that has been your whole life. Um, I mean, do you think if, if your mother's spirit didn't talk to you in that way, that you would, would be doing what you're doing now? Uh, probably not. But um, there was a whole lot of, a whole lot of um, pain and suffering in between that moment and this one. Yes. Um, it was, it was a, there were some really, really tough times. Um, you would think, oh, wow, she's, you see dead people, how cool is that? 
But I also, I also told you not to talk about the dead people. Don't talk about the dead people. Oh, I'm sorry. About the fill in the blank people. Um, I I can imagine it being tricky. You know, having seeing seeing dead people. I can imagine that being a, you know, a problem at times. Yeah, and and it made me. uh, I think Lynn and I have actually talked about this. It made me feel like I didn't fit in. It. uh, Of course. I struggled. And you said you, you, Pamela. You said you said you saw evil as well, right? You said you saw that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I saw when I when I was looking at someone, uh, I could tell if they were really negative or not, based on the energy. And a lot of times behind them, oh, Lynn's really going to be upset with me about this one. Um, <laughs> but uh, behind them, I would see. Um, what some people would call the devil, but I would see different forms of negative energy, um, just like I saw positive forms of energy. Mm-hmm. And it was really tough to walk in a room and, you know, and like if you, I walked into a stadium of 300 people, yeah. I saw 1,500 And people. there's a lot of chaos amongst, so there's it's a lot like, of chaos amongst those 1,500 people as well, right, with what you saw. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Can, can I, I just want to pick up on something that you said earlier, which I thought was really interesting, Pamela. You said uh, cancer is guilt. This was something that something yes. you said. Uh, I do hope there's no correlation between that and Catholic guilt, or I'm screwed. But anyway, um, <laughs> could, you, um, could you just delve into that well, for us a little every, bit? I found that quite interesting. Whenever the body gets sick, the soul is talking. Mm. So if you ignore your spirit, if you ignore your soul, it starts shutting down, it starts getting sick so that you pay attention to it. So with each, uh, there are so many different diseases and I'm not saying they're all the same, but I know I've worked with so many people that have experienced cancer that the general consensus was, is that it came from guilt. Like guilt eats away Mm. at you so does cancer. Yeah. Cancer eats away at you. It eats away at your cells. So that's what I attribute. So usually when somebody comes to me and they said they have cancer, I look at where the guilt came from. Just like that guy I told you about earlier. Mm-hmm. You know, he felt guilty that his friend died instead of him. So the cancer was the effect of that unresolved emotion. It wasn't the cause of it. It was the effect of it. So we went back to heal the cause, which was his guilt. So it's the same way with a lot of different, like um, I've worked with a lot, I've had quite a few, how do I say this? Um, some schizophrenics, but I've worked with um, what the multiple personality disorders is what they used yeah. to call it. I don't know what they call it now. And uh, how the mind has split. And each one of those things has a, usually a particular emotion attached to it. I don't know them all I because I know them when I see them, you know, when I'm experiencing it. So, yes, cancer mo- mainly comes from guilt. Like uh, my mother had breast cancer. That's what she died of. And years later, I realized the reason she got breast cancer is she felt guilty to bring children into the world that my father lived because um, he was... Uh, <laughs> Oh, he was an interesting human being. Um, so she felt guilty because he was so abusive to his kids. Um, and she had such guilt about being a mother. So that manifested itself. Now, I didn't know that at the time, of course, but 
Yeah. I've heard the actual thing from two uh, completely different angles, right? <clears throat> Which is, so obviously I had breast cancer and uh, it, it happened, uh, my tumours were discovered roughly uh, about six months after my both of my kids had been had sort of, well, one of them was horrifically bullied and then the other one had to deal with the repercussions. It was like a really extreme thing that happened to them, right? And so I got cancer like six months afterwards. And that, so this is Ooh. the other side of it, was that um, the, whatever happened with my kids was so out of order that we consulted with lawyers. And, uh, and the lawyer, and, and it looked like it was going to be a big court case. Um, but then and we were all meeting and all that sort of stuff about it. And then I got cancer. And I said, I'm going to have to put this on hold right now because because uh, I need to work on getting healthy. And the, the prosecutor, the woman who, would, who had been a prosecutor, she'd been a, it doesn't really matter what she was, but it was about child. Uh, she would prosecute on behalf of children. And she said it's remarkably common, right? Oh, and wow. She, uh, cause she, She's seen it before. With oh, yeah. Parents. Well, she, what she said, it's normally six months. And she talked about wow. the story that she said was it was about it was a custody case where the woman had not wanted her uh, estranged husband to have any custody of the child because the child was at risk, right? right. Mm. And they lost the case. The guy took the child away and killed her, killed the kid. And the woman uh, was dead within eight months of uh, cancer, uh, breast cancer. It, it, like and she said that it's it's like this weird kind of thing. It's re- for <clears throat> what she said in her side. It was related to uh, a mother's guilt about children. Fascinatingly, but what's fa- what's what I thought? Why I bring this subject up is because, uh, or to bring the details up is because if I said to her, "Hey, you should meet my pal Pamela. She's <laughs> a shaman. She'd have gone." off right like well she just said that in like attorney language she'd be like you're crazy but it's interesting how information they were back to the bu tapestry again like information comes from weirdly different sources and sometimes it's parallel even though that the viewer or perspective of the the person is so completely different <laughs> so Pamela, every week we have our guests choose um, a song that makes them happy or that has you know happy emotions or a sad song that you know maybe has melancholic brings back melancholic feelings or something like that. You chose a happy song um, <laughs> and it's a song that I know very well. Would you like to tell everyone the song that you chose and then after after I've, I've played the, um, my a special version of it for you then we can dive in we can dive into the story because there's a great story behind it so tell everyone uh, what the song is my song is from this guy you may know i don't know for sure if you do um it's by this guy called chesney hawks and it's the one and only okay so, uh, here we go especially for you pamela Ches has done a lovely little acoustic version and here we go call me call me by my name Call me by my number Put me through it I'll still be doing it the way I do it And yet, 
You try to make me forget who I really am. Don't tell me I know best. I'm not the same as all the rest. I am the one and only. Nobody I'd rather be. I am the one and only. You can't. Take that away from me. I've been a player in the crowd scene, a flicker on the big screen. My soul embraces one more in a million faces, high hopes and aspirations and ears. Above my station, maybe, but all this time I try to walk with dignity and pride. I am the one and only. Nobody I'd rather be. I am the one and only. You can't take that away from me, and I can't. Without some compromises, because you'll find out that we come in different shapes and sizes. No one could be myself like I can. For this job, I'm the best man. But while this may be true, you are the one and only. I'd rather be. I am the one and only. You can't take that away from me. So that was Chesney Hawks performing <laughs> the one and only by Chesney Hawks. Well done, <laughs> Ches. Touches my heart. Uh, do you know what was so wonderful about that, Pamela? I can honestly say, watching your face while you listened to that. <laughs> was like the most <laughs> wonderful gift I felt to us and to me. It was beautiful to just watch you. It was so wonderful. It really yeah. was. Anyway, I'm stealing your... This is your time to tell us about why that song's so special for you. Okay, so um, years ago, like I was telling you, when I started on this path, it was pretty difficult for me, to say the least. Um, I questioned myself every day. What are you doing? Why are you doing it? Um, I had uh, family members and friends uh, really trying to destroy my self-esteem. Uh, it was a very, very difficult time. And then I heard this song. Right. And um, I was just, it, it moved me from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. It <laughs> resonated through all the cells of my body. And uh, cut to a few years later, I was going through another difficult time. And I watched the movie Doc Hollywood. Well, this song, one and only, is at the beginning of Doc Hollywood. Yeah. So I, I cried through that whole thing. And um, then I put it on my computer. And I put it on 
on my cell phone is the a ringtone, <laughs> and uh, every every morning I would have my phone right in my hand, right by the bed, and before I'd even get out of bed, because I was going through a really tough time, I would hit that song, and when the music started, I would stand up and throw my arms in the in the <laughs> air. And I would walk through my house singing at the top of my lungs, oh. trying to remember that I am special, I am the one and only, and nobody's going to be like me. So I, would, I did it every day. I woke up every day to this song. And uh, no matter what kind of trouble I was having, it started my day off with such joy. That's the love and the joy and the emotions that you saw on my face. That's what I really felt. And um, cut to a few years ago, I was talking to my BFF, you guys know Marcus, and I told him, I said, I want to use that song some way. It's, it's so important to me. I want to use that song to teach. And he said, well, how are you going to get permission to do that? <laughs> and I went, I went, I don't know. I said, the guy's British. I don't know how I'm ever going to meet him. <laughs> and I put that out three days later. Chesney's lovely wife, Chrissy, walked in my front door for a healing session. Um, at the end of the session, she wrote a check for the session. The next day, um, I went up to the bank. I was standing in the line, and, you know, I, I, I tapped the check on the counter. When I did, I looked at it, and I went, Chesney Hawks, Chesney Hawks. Why do I know that name? I know that name. Why do I know that name? And then on the way home from the bank, it hit me. Holy crap! It's Chesney Hawks! Oh my god! I wanted that's the same Chesney Hawks! So I, I called Chrissy up and I said, Oh my god, you're not gonna believe this! Three days ago, I, I told the universe I wanted to meet Chesney Hawks. She said, Well, you're really gonna get to because he's coming tomorrow. And I went, Oh my god! Oh my god! So before he gets there, I talk to myself and I'm like, okay, don't go fangirl on him. Um, don't run up and hug him and have him to sign your T-shirt. Um, just chill. So I think I did pretty good. He walked in. And, Hi, how are you? So nice to meet you. So excited to meet she you. Didn't, she didn't throw her knickers oh. on. Oh no! And, yeah. and, uh, and you can say thank you to me yes. for that. Yeah. Well reserved. <laughs> So uh, I was really chilling and so cool. And he said, so I hear you like my song. I went, oh, my God, <laughs> Change my life. I, I, so I did end up going fangirl. But that's why that song's so important to me. And it's still my ringtone. Uh, what what a lovely and story. And I still listen to it every day. Yeah. And, yeah. and you know, since, but since then, though, sorry, Neil, to interrupt, but since then, I mean, Pamela's like family now. Yeah. This is not yeah. just yeah. like I went and had a session with, with someone and she was a fangirl or whatever. It was like yeah. now now we're like really, really close. You know, she's yeah. like, she knows, family. she loves yeah. our kids. Yeah. And, so, you know, and uh, she, she's just like part of the family. So it is an amazing story, really, isn't it? It is. It is. Three days, guys. Three so days, uh, three, three. I, I'm just going to quickly pick up on that. It's quite, well, uh, just an interesting thought to my mind. Obviously, Ches, you're a performer. You've, you've done that all your life. And um, from a very young age, so you're used to dealing with audiences and reactions. But I just wanted to check in with your thoughts and emotions. How does it make you feel to be able to do that song for Pamela and and to see, <laughs> you know what I mean, to see that look on her face and to be able to give, because yeah. it's, 
you know, it's just such a lovely end to that story, isn't it? You've, you've done our, our own little version of it. How does that make you feel? Well, it's amazing, really. I, I You know, it's, it's all confirmation of everything that we've talked about today and everything that Pamela does for me. It's like, well... If you don't believe now, <laughs> yeah. you know, especially with that story. And, and I did the same thing uh, listening to that version. Uh, I was watching Pamela the whole time and I just sort of love in her eyes and I know she loves me and I love her too. Oh. And the oh. other thing about uh, what you were saying there is, is how music can affect people um, uh, without, without the artist that originally created the music um, mm. knowing uh, that it has such an effect on people's lives. People ask me about the one and only um, all the time now, you know, and they kind of, I, I, is it is it like an albatross around your neck? Do you hate playing it now? Those kind of questions like that. And I always say that it's like I gave up ownership of that record years ago. I was, yeah. just, I'm just honoured. I'm just honoured to be a part of something that that has touched so many people. Mm. It's it's an amazingly beautiful thing. And I, I hear stories. I mean, Pamela's story is just incredible, really. It's amazing. <laughs> but I've heard stories um, like people using using it at their friends' funerals or uh, using it as their first dance at their wedding or, you know, they bought that record uh, and it was the first record they ever bought or just loads loads of stories that or it reminds them of their grandma or their, or their dad or whatever, you know. And, and, and it just kind of... The song just kind of went out in 1991 and grew, uh, grew a pair of beautiful wings and went out and just touched people in, in, in beautiful ways. And, and so that part of it is incredible to me. Yeah. Because, you know, it has its own life. Yes. And Pamela's story is, is absolute testament to that. <laughs> yeah, it is testimony to that, isn't it? Uh, I'm looking at the clock, gang, and I think we need to wind things up. Pamela, um, so we, we sort of got a new format for this second series of our podcast because we were giving all the guests introductions in the first series and what we realised it meant that if we stopped to give them introduction we'd already been talking for 10 or 15 minutes and we had to interrupt the flow <laughs> so we haven't actually given you an official introduction but we could give you an amazing um, outro just to say thank you very much <laughs> Pamela Beatty you have been amazing thank you uh, so much you have. Yeah. She's for your time is. don't talk about dead people though <laughs> Pamela if someone wanted to get hold of you what, what, how would they get hold of you where, where would they find you oh it, it's well sorry <laughs> <laughs> what did you do? What's oh, going on? The music. phone is going and it's the one and only, isn't it? It's the one I, and only. I, <laughs> <laughs> I accidentally hit the button. Oh my That's god. Fine. Hold on. Let me, let me close worry. the music down. That's how you get in touch with me. You go through Chesney, uh, I guess. Um, <laughs> yeah, have you got a website? Me, have you got a website where people can get hold I of do. You? It's just it's simple Pamelabady.com or Pamelabady.net, either one. Um, okay. I don't do social media. Yeah, I don't I don't do social media. So um, that is the one and only way to get yeah, in touch with me. See what you did there? <laughs> what a pro. <laughs> Pamela, thank you so much for joining us. Um, please don't you. push any buttons when we say goodbye. We'll just keep rolling. But <laughs> for the listeners, thank you, Pamela, for joining us. It's been awesome. Thank you, thank you Pamela. So we love you. My pleasure. You. Bye, Bye, guys. Love you all. 
Wow, wow, wow. I, I never thought I'd be listening to a sh shaman person. What are we saying? Shaper? Shamanic? <laughs> What's Let's say shamanic healer. <laughs> shamanic healer. Shamanic healer. Uh, I've just, just been blown away by the chat we've just had, guys. I really have. And obviously it's more, <laughs> probably slightly more effective to me because you you know Pamela, you two. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And you've experienced it. Um, <laughs> I, I actually have... I should have less words because I really am speechless. <laughs> to be honest, it's a lot to take in, isn't it? I that's, know. <laughs> so that's one way of putting it for sure. You know, the other thing as well is she looks so normal, right? She looks so normal, and the way that she talks about things is really normal. She's just the cat lady next door, isn't she? Yeah, right. Yeah, but don't don't you have that thing where when people talk about stuff like that, you expect they're going to be all. Wearing jangly crystals and yeah, big like a big hood and, or know. something. Yeah, yeah, but she's not. She's just dead normal. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. It was, just, it was mind blowing. Yeah. It's the the akashic records that um, that uh, kind of fascinate me. The thought of, of oh, wow. everything that you've ever thought of, that you've ever done in in any you know, if you believe in other lifetimes, um, then in any lifetime that's ever happened, everything is there. I, I love that, and that she can go there and find it and open your book and tell you exactly, you know, what happened, <laughs> you know, a thousand years ago when you when you were uh, a knight or something. <laughs> it's pretty incredible. I definitely need her to have a proper rummage in my Akashic record, that's for sure. <laughs> I really have learned a lot tonight. It was amazing to, uh, to do that with Pamela. But look, time to wrap things up then, team. I hope you listeners have enjoyed the show as much as we have. And don't forget, tell a friend about us, please. Give us a share on all the socials. We would very much appreciate it, and so would Pamela. And join us next week when our guest will be comedian Gina Bloom, and our topic will be... No, it's not going to be woo. <laughs> it's not woo. Oh, it's not. <laughs> We're no. in the wrong place. No. It's yeah. a delay. It's my yeah. excuse, and I'm sticking to it. Our topic will be woo. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's quite a good topic for I don't Gina, even don't have you? to edit that one. <laughs> <laughs> it, it actually no. is really... <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should change really the topic. really fitting for Gina Bloom. <laughs> yeah. No, do you know why? Well, you'll know if you listen next week and you'll know once we've done the podcast. The topic is what exactly is normal? Um, now you can woohoo. Or you can do a... Um, Mysterious sound. Woo, right? Ooh, but it really is. I'm excited about this one as well yeah. because this is no, a favourite one of mine. Uh, Alrighty. So, until then, I have been Lynn Ferguson. He has been Chesney Hawks. And that bloke over there <laughs> has been Neil Harrington. And we are all a bit mental. We sure are. Yes, Thank you very are. much, everyone. Bye-bye. Yeah. <laughs> Goodbye, everyone. Bye. Until next week. You've been listening to We Are All A Bit Mental with Chesney Hawks, Lynn Ferguson, Brandon Block and Neil Harrington. Produced and edited for Source Productions by Neil Harrington with plenty of help from Lynn, Ches and Brandon.